That's right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Conway T, bringing you episode 14 of What the Football Podcast. You keep listening and we keep talking. I'm back with my hosts, Rudds and Wade, for yet another week of results in the English Premier League. How are we this evening, gents? Good, good. Good to be back. Good to see you guys again and ready for another cracking episode. Yeah, you said it, Wade. Let's do it. Let's do it indeed. So, of course, we run through the results. Arsenal picking up a 2-0 win at home. Palace losing. Gerrard getting back-to-back wins as the Aston Villa manager. Liverpool absolutely annihilating Southampton 4-0. Norwich picking up a valuable point as Wolves proved too difficult to break down. Of course, Brighton have become the perennial non-scorers yet again and have taken a point with Leeds. Brentford piling on the misery for Rafael Benitez, something we will discuss a little bit further, is his time at the helm at Goodison Park coming to an end. Of course, there was the non-match between Burnley and Spurs. Probably did everybody a favor by calling that game off. And then Watford did their perennial bounce back after beating United and copping four goals themselves in the loss to Leicester. City were pretty strong and probably too strong for the Hammers. And of course, a surprise result out at Stamford Bridge, where Chelsea were held 1-1 by Michael Carrick's Man United. So, gents, where do we start? Well, we might kick off with the, with the result at, at Aston Villa and Crystal Palace. Obviously, the clash of the former Titans, the Liverpool and Arsenal midfield behemoths in Vieira and Gerrard, now managers. Quite a sight to see them on the sideline. And Gerrard getting the edge, back-to-back six points. Glory, glory, Aston Villa. What do you make of it, Rudds? Good start for Gerard. Um, I'm surprised. I didn't think he'd do so well. So, you know what they say. A new broom sweeps clean. And uh, it seems to, be, seems to be coming true for Gerard. I must say, one of the interesting stats I heard is that um, Gerard had never won a game in his Liverpool career at Palace. Um, I thought that was an interesting stat. And he's and and he's done his first time. Is that a fact? I didn't even know that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> I don't know where I heard it, um, but I, I must must have been one of the Premier League review shows or something like that. And um, they they led with that one. And uh, he's, he's was got that the, the uh, was that the Aston Villa podcast you were listening to, Rod? <laughs> could have been actually. It could have been. Now, Wade, what did you make of uh, Vieira unable to, you know, capitalize, I guess, and build on uh, Crystal Palace's good momentum? Um, and Gerard, yeah. you know, taking those those three points. Yeah, it's a, it's a good start for Stevie. Um, I think we spoke about it before he, he came in and we said, look, he's going to be under pressure straight away. So, you know, getting two wins on the trot, um, both late wins as well. I think uh, against Brighton, they scored both their goals after the 80th minute and it was another late winner. Um, on the weekend against Palace, so really good start for him. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I like Stevie G. I rated him as a player, as you guys know. I had him in my top three all-time Premier League players. Um, so I want to see him doing well at Villa. So um, yeah, really good start for him. Palace, you know, for all the, you know, for all the praise we've given them, they've only got three wins out of the first thirteen games. So it's starting to be a bit worrying for for Vieira because he needs to start turning those performances into victories now. You know, the Premier League things happen so quickly. So um, he's got a big job on his hands there. But a good start for Stevie. Uh, let's see how he goes though. You know, Brighton and Palace. Um, decent start for him. You know, not the toughest fixtures he's going to have. There'll definitely be tougher days ahead, but it's a good start for him. So let's see how he goes from here. Well, it's it's funny you say there'll be tougher days ahead. It doesn't get much tougher than uh, Man City next, uh, Leicester and Liverpool. So wow. <laughs> he's about wow. to be thrown straight into the deep end, old Stevie G. Having said that, you know, uh, before these two wins, Aston Villa was sitting in 17th, one point above uh, Burnley on nine points, and they've now moved to 16 points, tied with Crystal Palace. So 
they had certainly headed in the right direction. Um, of course, we also had the uh, the result at Old Traff. Uh, sorry, at Stamford Bridge, Rods. We might ask. You. Yeah, look. So I think last week on the pod we we're talking about the way teams play, and it felt like a Jose Mourinho team that had gone to Stamford Bridge and and parked the bus, um, and that's what um, what Carrick did. They still created some chance. I think um, Chelsea a little bit too toothless um, without Lukaku. So I think that's a concern. Werner can't hit a barn door. Um, so that's um, that's concerning. As much as they had the bulk of the pay and all the ball, um, I think there's only really one or two chances that I can really come to mind that, that were clear. Um, so for all their position, they need to be better at breaking down this, this type of team. I think for United... Obviously, you know, with this type of game plan, um, it's a result-based game plan. And I suppose it makes sense for a caretaker boss to, to just look for the results and not look at, at at a plan in terms of um, progression, keeping the ball and, and, and attacking them. So um, he, he went out for, for a draw and, and, and he's got it. So I suppose he leaves his caretaker position with... One win in a draw. Um, could have got something more. Um, there was a big chance for Fred right at the end. Um, and he's got, you know, Fred's got, there's a mistake by Mendy and he gives the ball straight back to, to Fred. And it's just the keeper in front of him. And he's got Rashford and Ronaldo uh, on the side of him. And he's gone for the spectacular chip over the keeper and he, and he couldn't lift it high enough. So I think that was a um, that was a massive fail. So I know we've been talking Chelsea up; they've just been getting the job done. But you know, this, this maybe shows a little bit of crack um, in the armor. They haven't beaten any of the top four teams, um, so you know that might come to to bite them in in the end of the season when it's such a close title race. I think that's a fair comment, except the fact that United aren't a top four team. But we won't go there right now. Uh, Wade, what did you make of the performance? Do you think that uh, Chelsea got it wrong on the day? You know, they had a number of chances to bury United probably early on. Could consider themselves unlucky. hudson Adoy missing a couple at the beginning. Um, was it just one of those days for Chelsea's or was it was it truly a, a glitch in the armour? You know, I'll be honest, guys. Chelsea haven't really impressed me um going forward this season. They've been solid at the back. I think Mendy's been arguably their best player of the season. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not too surprised in terms of what Rudd's mentioned there, them being toothless going forward. I was surprised with the front three. Um, Werner, Hudson-Odoi, and um, Ziyech. For me, that's probably their second, second best front three. I would have thought that, you know, Havertz... Um, Lukaku and you know Pulisic or Mount, you know for me that's probably their best their best forward players. So it was a surprising selection there. Also Kante, I thought had a good game last week, so I was surprised to see him dropped as well in midfield. So a few strange decisions again, not for the first time this season from mm-hmm. Tuchel in terms of his selection. And to be quite honest with you, I thought United gave a good account of themselves in terms of defending and staying tight and keeping them out. I think it was imperative that they, you know, were solid against Chelsea after conceding four against Watford. It was all about coming to um, to Stamford Bridge and trying to grind the results out. And, you know, they, they scored that goal just before half time, um, or was it just after, uh, to go 1-0 up. And then they gave away a soft penalty as well, which would be frustrating from a Man United perspective because... Chelsea didn't create much at all. You know, they could have hung on for a a 1-0 win there. So, obviously, it could have been a different game if Hudson-Odoi scores that goal, I think, in the third or fourth minute, one-on-one with the keeper and a tame effort. You know, that could have opened the game up. We might have seen a bit more goals. Maybe, you know, we see Chelsea going forward a bit more because United would have had to attack from there. But um, I think it was important for them to just come and grind out a result. And I think they gave a good account of themselves. Obviously, United fans are going to say that's not how we want to play. You know, you're not going to, you don't want to park the bus against these big teams. You want to go there and play on the front foot. That's the United way. But, you know, considering the circumstances and after the Watford result, it was important that they got something from this. So it's a good result for United. Um, and let's see if uh, if the new guy can come in and, and sort of build on from this. 
Well, Rudd, I will ask you this. Penalty or no penalty? It's a soft penalty, but it's a penalty. I thought it was soft, personally. So, so I suppose a question whether, you know, the, the change in rule where it says not all contact is a foul and not all contact is a penalty. So, and, and I believe that. The reaction of Thiago for that, like, it was like he broke his leg. Um, United actually had a, um, a similar decision goal against them when we last played Chelsea, I think in the FA Cup. Um, it was last season or season before, where it was Zuma who did the same thing to Anthony Martial and it wasn't a penalty given. But that's a mute point. I think it's one of those where if the referee doesn't give it, VAR doesn't overturn it. Um, and if the referee does give it, there's no, they can't overturn overturn it either. So it's one of those borderline ones. So um, And you can see why it was a penalty, but I just think you know that consistency that we've been speaking about before but we can go on and on about that. Let me yeah. ask you guys, just sorry, just before you go on, Conway, um, do you guys see any difference between that penalty and the one that was given at Brentford? I missed the Brentford one, to the be The Brentford fair. one, he almost kicked him in the head, wasn't it? That was um... Yeah, but he wasn't looking at him. He right? yeah, yeah. had his eye on the ball, yeah. went for the ball, and, and made contact with his face. Because for me, that's the same thing, isn't it? Is no, I got like looking, looking at it. Listening, <laughs> yeah, listening yeah, to what you just ball. said. It's, it's completely accidental. But yeah, you, know, can be, you can be looking at the ball, Wade. If you miss the ball and cop someone, that's... <laughs> yeah, so that's what happened. That's yeah, what but... happened with Wan Bissaka. He was looking at the ball. Yeah, I think the only difference is the ball and kicked the back of his leg. Yeah, the only same, difference same is thing. like I think for Wan Bissaka, you're talking about whether it's a foul or not. Um, but with the Brentford one, you and the Everton one, you're thinking about whether it's dangerous yeah. play or not because of how high the foot is and where it is. So I think it, it just adds another element to it. But I, I, I can see what you're saying because there's no intent there. He's not nothing. going to, yeah. But hang on, hang on, hang no, on. No, there's, I mean, it's nothing about intent. There's no there's no intent in the rule. Yeah. So if you kick someone in the head, whether you were going for the ball or not, you can't kick someone in the head. So if your timing, yeah. if your timing is off and you've missed the ball and you've kicked them in the head, that's a penalty. There's, it's not even an argument. It's a foul, right? Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. But isn't couldn't the same be said if you kick someone in the back on his calf, miss the ball completely? Isn't that a foul anywhere on the field? Is it not a foul? Yeah. I think they're different. They're different. They're different <laughs> contexts. Yeah, I, I don't think each situation is the same. Personally, yeah, yeah, I think they are. No, different. Fair enough. We could be wrong, but that's 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 the honest opinion and where we're at. We, you know, these these. Uh, these penalty decisions and referee decisions, we can we can go on for days when it comes to this. So, well, yeah. at the end maybe of the day, this is where human error background. comes. In. You know, I like a bit of rough and tough. You know, <laughs> just play on, <laughs> kick him in the head, play on, ref. He went for the ball. <laughs> well, we will shift gears and go over to the blue half of Liverpool. Well, guys, what is happening with the with Rafa? Are the wheels completely off, or is this just a sign of Everton and where they actually are as a club? I guess. I've always looked at Everton, you know, a lot of investment by uh, um, the owner over the years, a lot of investment in, in, in the spending, the level of manager. You think of Ancelotti coming in. Now you think of Rafa Benitez, managers with pedigree. Um, what What is going wrong? What What is the story at Everton? And is it a manager issue? Is it a club ownership issue? Or is it a play issue? I'll go first, wait. Um, so I think there, there was some discontent early on with Rafa before Paul was kicked, you know, coming from Liverpool and, and what that means and maybe previous comments that were made about Everton, etc. However, there was a decent start to the season and he did turn some of the supporters. What Everton have had, though, is a terrible run of injuries. And, you know, we speak about injuries with the top clubs, like Liverpool had a shitload of injuries last season. Man City got a shitload of injuries at the moment um, with a lot of their key players. But these are the bigger teams. And their second string and, and is a lot stronger than Everton. Everton's got some players that are coming in that are a big difference in terms of being a top 10 team and a bottom 10 team. You know, you got players like Salomon Rondon. Um, that are running around trying to score goals for you, you know, and that's a, that's a big call, and there's a big difference from, you know, Richarlison 
and Calvert Lewin. They've had Decore out for long periods of time. Uh, he's just come back. They've got Allen out. You know, that's two. So we keep actually going down their spine. You know, you had Allen out. Decore just has just come back now. Then behind them, you've got Yerimina, who's their best defender, who's out. So, you know, that spine is important to them. So I think, and I have heard some Everton podcasts, <laughs> and I think they, they're not pointing the finger at Rafa just yet. Um, I think they, they are questioning the strength of the team. However, if he doesn't turn it around, the longer this run continues, the more fingers will get pointed at him. And if they get drawn into that bottom half and that bottom, um, you know, that that bottom five or so, then you can expect the, the manager to walk on. Well, what a wave Wade, for Rafa to go into the Merseyside derby. Liverpool putting back-to-back 4-0 wins at Anfield. Um, and now he's got to come up against the Liverpool side, probably free-flowing, free-scoring, and a, against an Everton team leaking goals and can't actually hit a barn door at the moment up front. Do you see him able to maybe pull off a, a surprise result in, in the midweek or is, is Rafa's days numbered as the Everton boss? Well, the short answer to that would be no. Um, I just can't see it happening. He's like Rod said, he had a, a really good start, probably bought himself some time, obviously was a controversial appointment. Um, but yeah, they just look bland. You know, you, you watch Everton playing and you... There's just nothing about them. You know, you you wonder where the goal's going to come from. Um, you know, what are they trying to do for me? You know, and it's funny that this is happening because I've been having this argument with Arsenal fans, you know, since Mikel's come in and they were calling for like a Rafa type of manager to come in and steady the ship and this, that and the other. But, you know, how far is he going to take us? You know, that's, that's what I w- was thinking. Even with an Ancelotti and these guys, good managers in their day but I don't know you, you look at the top teams now and there's these or the top managers rather they're all young managers they've got new ideas they're innovative you know their sides play interesting football um, look at the the young guy at, at Brentford Frank you know it just as an example you know what I mean like he's got them playing so exciting um, I just think these older managers now you can probably add Mourinho in there as well I think they're past their prime, well past their prime. I mean, Rafa was in China before he came to Everton. And prior to that, he was coaching in the championship with Newcastle. You know, so I think it was an underwhelming appointment for Everton fans. Yeah, it's a, it's a big name. You know, maybe he can attract some players. Um, and he obviously brought in James, you know, made a couple of decent signings last season. But it just seems a bit stale, you know. So I, I don't think, I think they're probably going to finish in the bottom half of the table, the way things are looking now. Um, and, you know, with the new owner in there and the investment that he's put into the team, I don't think that's good enough. So I do think his days are numbered. Um, you know, he's going to have to really pull something out the hat to to last the season. I mean, there's already been four or five managers that have been sacked, um, probably for less than, than what Rafa's done recently. So... Interesting to see if he, if he survives. He's definitely going to be under pressure. And obviously now with that um, that good run that he started without the way, I think that's gone now. And the fans are going to really start putting pressure on. So he needs a good performance against Liverpool. I don't see it. Maybe if he gets that performance, then he buys himself a bit more time. But I just can't see it, if I'm being honest. Yeah, when I, you know, I remember Rafa at, at, at Liverpool and we... We were a very pragmatic side under under Rafa. It wasn't always entertaining to watch. So he's got the challenge of not playing the most entertaining football and then not having the results go his way either. So that's a combination for disaster, if you ask me. You know, you pointed out last week about Jose. And you might be right, Wade. Um, some of these managers just may be, you know, on the downward trajectory of their careers. You know, Jose, uh, Benitez, Ancelotti. Um, they just might be on the other side of the hill and those newer managers might be the way to go. I guess we'll wait to see and watch this space. We'll be shifting gears now. Powered by Riverside into FM. our next set, segment, The Analysis Corner. So, of course, gents, we are going to be talking about the early season predictions that we made. Um, We are third of the way through the season, or just there and thereabouts, 13 games in. The bottom four, the bottom five of the table read this. Newcastle, 
13 played, 0 wins, 6 draws, 7 losses, 6 points. Norwich, 13 played, 2 wins, 3 draws, 8 losses, 9 points. Burnley, 12 played, 1 win, 6 draws, 5 losses, and of course, 9 points. They are followed closely by Leeds, Watford, Southampton, and of course, we might add in Everton because all those teams from Everton down are in absolutely dreadful form. I guess one thing I'll point out is none of us had Everton fighting a relegation battle. And yet, when you look at it, they're only six points off, off the fight. So, guys, reviewing some of those early predictions, I guess a lot of us had Norwich in it. A lot of us had Watford. Um, I think I called out Southampton and we may have even had a, a shout-out potentially for Newcastle from Wade. Um, any changes or thoughts around what you see there, Rudds? What do you make of those bottom six? And do you think that uh, Everton actually could be in a relegation scrap? I think Everton be okay. I think Calvert-Lewin's close to be coming back. I think he's a massive a massive play for them. So is Richarlison. So is Damari Gray, who's also out. Um, so I think that's, that, that's a, a lot... You know, I think when you come to those bottom teams, really goals get you out of those games. Um, and you need people to put it away, and I think they've got that in abundance. So I think they'll be okay. Newcastle, I'm worried about. You know, they've got the money. What are they going to do in January? You know, they've been to be the um, the new richest team in the world. Um, but January is hard to get players in. So they may be looking at, um, you know, if you're a player and you've got this team that's rock bottom in the Premier League, you know, as much as they're going to pay pay you, you I'm know, not sure you're going to want to join that project. Yeah. Check there, right? Do you want to be playing the championship next season? Like so, um, I think maybe um, they may be dipping into the loan market more to try to get them out of it. But let's see. You know, uh, money talks. I think Norwich um, have looked promising the last few weeks under Dean Smith. Even uh, uh, the draw they've got this weekend. But I think it's hard to see them staying in the league. Um, likewise for Watford, I know they they beat the mighty Man United last week, but uh, um, Leicester this week, and I think they were a little bit unlucky. I think if you look at the XG, it was pretty close. Um, that's again, they could have probably ended two-two um, with the chances that were created. But that's why I say that you know the finishing is, is so important in the bottom in the bottom clubs. If you don't take your chances, you end up losing these big games. So I think Watford are there. Um, uh, I think Burnley haven't been, been playing well. I think um, they may be dragged. I mean, they're already in it. Um, I know they didn't play this weekend and they could have had a chance to beat Spurs, who are a team that, how did uh, Conte put it? The level at Spurs is not so high at the moment. And uh, so maybe quite there was the, a chance quite for Quite the Sean statement Dyche's by uh, Conte. Um, before the results against Everton, I would have probably said uh, Brighton, uh, not Brighton, sorry, Brentford. Um, as much as they've been playing well, they haven't been getting the results. Um, but all of a sudden, you look at one of the teams of the season last year in Leeds and Marcelo Bielsa and how they play, and they and they dragged right into that fight. And, you know, I think uh, for them, they're really missing Bamford at the moment. They've just got Calvin Phillips back, um, and he's made them a lot more solid. So I think they haven't lost um, in the last few games, a couple of draws that have come in. So they have been um, a lot stronger defensively. But they need that striker to finish the chances. So, um, yeah, let's see, let's see. So, no, I, I still think. Well, Watford, tell me, tell me that. Tell me, has your mind changed, or who are your bottom three as of now? No, so I think uh, I'll need to double check what my prediction was in the beginning. But my bottom three at the beginning was Norwich, Watford, and Burnley. Um, I, I just think now Newcastle maybe may may. Replace so who are you swapping out for Newcastle? Give us you got to put your don't sit on the fence here. Rads, give us who it is. The team most likely out of those probably Watford. To be honest, I think I like what Claudio Ranieri is doing. I like the fight they've got. I like Dennis and and how he's scoring goals. I like how they've been more defense. I think they they look more like a solid team. So if it was any, but I'm gonna stick with my original prediction though. Norwich, Watford, and Burnley going down. Newcastle will be safe after they self after they signed Phil Jones in the in the in the December in the January <laughs> transfer market. Well, there you have it, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Rudds is sticking with his original and kind of saying that Newcastle will 
pull a rabbit out of a hat. Wade, what are your thoughts, uh, if you can remember your early predictions? And yeah, what do you make of that bottom six? And do you think that is where the relegation battle will be or will anybody else be dragged in? Um, I honestly can't remember what my predictions were. I know I mentioned Newcastle at the time. Uh, to be fair, I didn't think they'd be doing as bad as what they're doing. I thought they'd be there or thereabouts with a chance to go down. But the way they're looking at the moment, it's almost like they're a lock. I think they play Norwich and then Burnley um, the next couple of games. So that's going to be really defining for them because they go into a tough run after that. So I think those games are going to be crucial for, you know, who ends up in that bottom three. Because come Christmas time, you know, the fixtures are going to stack up. Um, and, you know, generally the teams with the weaker squads do struggle over that period. So um, I can't see them staying up, honestly. I, I don't know who they attract in, in January. As Rod's mentioned, it's a tough window. doesn't matter how much money you got, like what quality players are going to be available and more so what quality players are going to go uh, decide to go into a relegation battle as well, you know. So they're not going to be an attractive proposition, even though they've got the money. Um, there's a real chance that they're going to go down. So you, you have to think to yourself, like, which quality players are going to say, all right, let me go there. Um, so I, I'm still going to put them down. Um, I also really like uh, Norwich's response under Dean Smith. I almost want to take them out of that bottom three. I'm so close to doing it. But... Don't do um, it. Don't yeah, do it. Yeah, I, I just... It's tough, man. It's tough. So I, I think Norwich as well will go down. Um, I really want to see Burnley going down. I'm just just tired of seeing them in the Premier League. It's just boring. You know what you're going to get when you go there? Long balls over the top. They're going to try bully you. So I would I wouldn't mind seeing them going down to be honest. But I think they'll survive. They, you know, Sean Dyche has that knack of just getting results when he needs them. So I think he's probably going to pull them out of that bottom three. I'm really concerned about uh about Leeds. Um, I just, they look yep. so easy to beat this year. You know, everyone's kind of figured them out now. They obviously had a great season last season. Um, but I think they're going to be really close to going down. I like Ranieri, you know, um, the magician, you know, he's done, he's, he's done crazier things. If Watford stayed up, you would say that's not the craziest thing he's done in his career. So I like what he's doing there. So I think it's going to be out of those bottom five or six now, uh, as it stands. And who but are I'll your three? probably have to go with Watford as well. So I don't know if that's the same as Rudd. Who did you have in there, Rudd? You had um, Norwich? I didn't Burnley? have Newcastle, so Norwich. You didn't have and Newcastle. Yeah. And Watford, yeah. So I'm going to go Newcastle, Norwich, and I think Watford. I would like to see them stay up because I do like some of their players as well. Um, you know, on their day, they can score goals. Really enjoyed the Everton um, win, and obviously the United win was just one of the sweetest things I've seen in a while. Um, but yeah, I think Wat- Watford. <clears throat> so those are my bottom three, I'd say. Well, there you have it. I guess I'll chime in. Um, look, I I don't know how you guys are seeing Newcastle stay up. One, I think Eddie Howe. When I think about the way he plays, which is so kind of open and attacking, that team leaks goals left, right, and centre. Um, they haven't won a single game. It's 13 games in and they're on zero wins. That is, that's red flags all over the place. You know, they have players like Callum Wilson um, who are decent. Um, St. Maximum, brilliant. I, I just, Newcastle concede as many as they score if they do score, which they're struggling to do so at the minute. So I didn't think they'd go down. I didn't have them in there at all. I thought they had the quality in. I'm just not sure Eddie Howe's the right person. They've got no chance of signing decent players in January. Um, unless the guy's going to sign a five-month contract to kind of get them out. Or as Rudd said, you know, it's a loan move. So I'm actually going to swap out uh, one of my, my teams and say Newcastle, I think, are done, and they will go down. Norwich, I'm definitely not pulling them out. I know Dean Smith has performed a little bit of, you know, a miracle, I'd call it, in picking up four points. But that is a championship squad, and um, I just can't see them staying up. So... Newcastle, Norwich, I think are the two worst teams in the division right now. I think Watford are fine. I think, you know, they'll ebb and flow all season. Win one, get thrashed. Win one, get thrashed. They just seem to have that role going. There's enough quality in that team and the Tinker Man will will, will, will pull out a couple of tricks to save them. 
I think the team in real strife is Leeds. I really think they are in some horrible form. They don't look like turning it around. You know, they're messing up my tipping because every time I think Leeds are going to come right, just, be, you know, with their style of play and their, their fight and determination. But I think they've been figured out. And on top of that, the injuries within the squad, losing players like Luke Ayling and a couple of their midfielders have really caused them um, to look a little bit more disjointed and open. Um, I don't want to say they go down because I really want them to stay up. But I'm actually going to throw Leeds in that bottom three, which is a big call. I've completely swapped out my bottom three except for Norwich. Um, and I've now got Leeds and, and Newcastle in there. So ask me at game week 26, and I'll probably swap it out again with yeah, the way that I'm going. So yeah, massive, massive call to make with Leeds. I think we need to maybe record um, our predictions this time around. Easy well, we do we do have the recordings of the previous uh, predictions, and I will pull them out when we get to the uh, maybe the halfway stage or, or round twenty six, um, and we'll see how many times <laughs> each one of us has changed it's the changed. teams we've had. But I guess we'll we'll shift gears, gents, and maybe move into before we get uh, anywhere else. But uh, looking at that top seven, um, you know, we obviously had this was pretty clear in the uh, early season predictions. Anyway, we had the top four well set. Um, you know, I think most of us had uh, the same four teams. In fact, all of us had the same four teams. It was just uh, the matter of the order that we had them in. Um, Wade, I might just start with you and then go back to Rudd's, the top four. Um, have you made a change to that or do you still see United creeping into that uh, into that fourth spot? Uh, United are the really the only question there. I think the top three speak for themselves. I think they've proven that as well over the first 13 games. Um, I guess it just comes down to a matter of, you know, which order are they going to finish in that top three? I believe you had, man. I believe you had had Liverpool finishing first, yeah? I had Liverpool. I'm going to stick with Liverpool as well. Um, I know they dropped a couple of points um, a, a few games back, but yeah, they, they just score goals for fun. Um, you know, City, I, I still think, will probably push them closest. Um, but I think, you know, we've seen in a couple of games, uh, you know, the lack of a number nine might come back to bite them. Um, so I'm still going to go with Liverpool to win it. I'm going to go with um, City to finish second. Chelsea, I know they're on a good run. Um, but going forward... I still have a few question marks over them. Uh, You know, can Lukaku be consistent? Um, It's a different proposition in the Premier League. I know he was excellent at Inter, but it's it's completely different uh, pace over there in Italy. So um, I've got a few question marks about that, but I'm going to put Chelsea third. Fourth, I think, is really up for grabs now. You know, the way um, Man United season has gone. You know, who knows what Ragnik is going to bring to this team. Could he stabilize them? Uh, maybe. So I really think that fourth spot is up for grabs. I, I, you know, my my heart is telling me Arsenal. You know, we're we're moving forward. We're on a good run. Um, you know, we've we've played the top three now. We're sitting pretty. But I don't know. I don't know if I can put them. I'm, I'm really stuck on on four guys. I really don't know who to put at four. So just have I feel a like pop. I'm playing it safe. You man, are playing it saying, safe. Uh, by saying United, I feel like I'm going to play it safe. So you know what? I'm going to say Arsenal. I'm going to say we're going to make the top Put four the this balls year. On and the we're line. Back I love it. Wade. Into I love the it. Champions League next year, baby. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. So Arsenal. I'm putting Arsenal fourth. <laughs> that's, that's my what, top four. That's, that's my why top we four. paid Wade the top dollars because he puts his <laughs> balls on the line. He backs Arteta and he has called Arsenal to finish Let's do it. Four. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> what, Rads, have you uh, changed your mind at all on that four? Obviously, you know, you had United uh, up there. Has that changed at all for you? No, so my top four is the same. So I actually, my top four in order was was Chelsea wow. up top. And I suppose that's the, probably the one that I've... Um, I'm at biggest risk for. I think um, if I've been really impressed with, with City, um, and, and I know we talked about the number nine, but not over the last few weeks. Over the last few weeks, you know, that number nine has even come into the conversation. They've just been putting teams away. So as they as they continue on, they're finding their mojo, finding their rhythm, and they're looking really strong. So 
that's the one that I'm I'm questioning. But I'll stick with Chelsea for now. So Chelsea top, City second, Liverpool third, United fourth. I think it's uh, if if Arsenal long... beat you guys this weekend, if we beat you guys, you still you still stick with that top four. I will actually. So I actually think this is probably the Arsenal's best and chance confident. to beat us. So you've got you've got a new manager who's just come in. Sorry, we just have a bit it, of comedy going on in the podcast. There's, uh, there, there's, I mean, the gap will be eight points at, at that stage, but we've got a new manager coming in. So the type of football he's going to want to play is 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 completely opposite to what United have been playing. So there's a, a massive gap. So there might be some hurt before there's some joy. However, after the Arsenal game, United have probably one of the best runs up until March. So we don't play another of the top four or five teams up until March. So it's a real, it's a real good run of games for him to get. Um, his, his flow, his, his philosophy, his, his way of playing across. And then we get into the bigger games and we can see how that matches up. So I'm still pretty confident. I think, um, like I said, I think the Arsenal game comes at the right time. For Arsenal, <laughs> in saying that, you know, you never know how the results may go. Uh, we'll see. You put it but out there. I, you I'm, know, pretty, yeah. I'm pretty confident that United still make the top four. You're either slightly off off chops, or you are very uh, confident, smart, and supportive individual of Manchester United. Because if you, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. But you know what? You stuck to your guns. United will finish fourth. Then we got to applaud you for that. So there's only 23 games we'll to go. Give right? you, we'll give you a clap. We'll give you a clap. I just want to know, in all seriousness, how many United supporters, and there's a lot of them out there in the world, the moment they heard the name Ralph Ragnick, how many of them pressed Google straight away to see who the hell he was? <laughs> well, if you recall, question. I think I mentioned him last week in the pod in terms of what we'd be looking for. So yeah. um, I, I'm, for one, am quite excited by him. But I'm actually more excited about him being part of the the backroom staff in terms of you know, technical director, football director, or whatever that role, you know, director of sports, whatever they're going to end up being calling it. So, you know, last week on the pod, we were talking about who was making the decisions. And now you've got probably one of the best people in the business to be making those. You know, someone who's got a, a track record of of taking a club from, you know, from nowhere and, and raising them to, to one of the, the hardest prospects in, in, in German football. So you well, reckon look, he's going to do a better job than um, John Munro, the guy that's there at the moment? John Murto. Well, you know, he's going to John Murto. Um, it's quite you know, the uh, quite the quite the cost <laughs> they've got over there at United. Wait. Well, John Murto was the head of player development for the Premier League before. I mean, he he was a football person. He's not a he's not a business person, which was the criticism of United before. We had we had business people in his roles and not football people. So John Murto was a football person, and I suppose. This decision of bringing Ralph Ragnick in and the way they went about it shows that we've got actually putting football first for a change. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm for one, I'm quite excited about the prospect and playing high-pressing football and, and, and seeing what that looks like for United and seeing what uh, some of our young players um, can do and see some of these so-called average players, how they look like. You know, I'm thinking of a player like Fred who City really wanted because of his pressing and how he can play, and now getting him into a system where they actually do press. So um, let's let's see what what happens. I can't wait to see Cristiano Ronaldo charging around that field, pressing <laughs> the goalkeepers and the wingers. It's going to be a sight to see. But anyway, I will close out those top four predictions, and I will say three of those spots have not changed. But I do think it will go down to the absolute wire with Liverpool, Manchester City, and um, Chelsea, of course. Um, I'll keep the same order that I had it in originally, which is exactly the same order as Wade with Liverpool on top. I do think that's going to be quite a title race all the way down. In terms of fourth spot, look, uh, to me, it would be a minor miracle seeing United somehow claw their way back in. They potentially have the quality to do so. Um, whether Ralph and his bandits can do that will remain to be seen. I think that fourth spot is honestly wide open. Uh, Wade, I know I pushed you for it, but it is that wide open that it is anybody who can put a sustainable run of results together. And Arsenal at the minute are doing that. Um, 
you know, West Ham will be there and thereabouts, but I don't see them as a, as a top four team. So, I mean, if I had to put my hat on it today, then I might make that change and actually say the Gooners might actually have what it takes because right now there's no team that I'm confident in actually saying they'll finish in the four. And that's probably the honest one. So I will swap out United and actually put Arsenal in that top four. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I guess uh, that brings us to an end of our quarter season, or sorry, our third of the way season predictions. And we might reconvene at a later stage to see how we go, calling that in. But we're going to shift over, of course, to none other than our trivia section. But hang on, hang on. There's a bit of a twist in this week's one. We've done a transition over there. We might throw it in there again. Because we have had one of our viewers come back, or listeners, should I say. Two of them, actually. Um, Frank from out in Dean Park, Australia. And Gerard Champion. Oh, sorry, Greg Champion out in uh, Dean Park as well. well uh, Rudds, they have uh, want to put the Trivia Master on the spot. And they want to see if you have the capabilities to actually uh, sit on the other side of the fence. So I've got a series of questions that they've sent me that I'd like to put to you. So wait, let's just sit back and enjoy. This won't take long, but we want to test the actual Trivia Masters, uh, Trivia Masters skill set. Yeah. So, you know, they've come up with the player, the questions and everything. I'm merely just asking what they've sent across. So. Not a lot of questions, but let's see if you can actually uh, guess who it is. Okay. My 30-year career included spells at 11 clubs. I have the distinction of playing over 100 league games for five different clubs. What was that? You're on mute because I cannot hear you. Is he currently playing at the moment or is he a retired he player? Is, he is not currently playing. He is, is a retired Garrett player. Barry? No, not Garrett Barry. During my time at Nottingham Forest, this is going backwards just uh, quietly, I won many honors, including the first division championship two European Cups, that should tell you the era, a UEFA Super Cup, and the Football League Cup. No guesses. Trivia Meister is under pressure here. I also represented England at Euro 1980. The 1982 FIFA World Cup, the 1986 FIFA World Cup, the UEFA Euro 88, and finally the 1990 FIFA World Cup. Okay. All right. No guesses. Any just guesses? Yet. No, no guesses. guesses. Just yet. Yeah. Another interesting fact is that I did not make my World Cup finals debut until the age of 32. England player, Nottingham Forest, played most of his career in the 80s, finished up in the 90s, early 90s. More facts, that's it. There's a couple more. I was just checking if there was a guest coming there. I was doing the drum roll, rolling it in, you know. All right, let's keep going. Let's no keep guesses? Going. I, need more. I need more. Okay, okay, okay. I, in my final 17 matches, I share a record of 10 clean sheets in the World Cup finals. Okay, it's gonna. now we're getting towards the end yeah, of the so, guesses. So now we know it's uh, either a defender or a goalkeeper. You want to take a, a stab at anyone during that period? Neville Southall? No. Okay. I am worldwide known for being a goalkeeper who received two goals from none other 
then Diego Maradona, including the 1986 Hand of God. If that Peter doesn't Sh- give it away. Peter Shilton? Yeah. <laughs> the trivia master survives. That was a loss. I mean, I, I thought goalkeeper and I thought Neville Southall, <laughs> but that, he did play in the 90s. Um, that, that was actually a really difficult one for me because it's before I started watching football. Yeah. Um, so I can't right. recall these World Cups. I can't recall outside of a, a, a highlight reel those goals yeah. that Diego Maradona scored um, at that World Cup. So, look, props to them, but I'm, I'm happy that I, <laughs> I got it on the roof. That was the last, that was the last stat, right? That was the, well, the, the the only other stat in there was that, yeah, so you got the hand of God and the goal of the century. So goal of the century. Diego right. scored both of those. I guess, to be honest, that was the moment there where you'd either know it or you wouldn't you know don't. it. Oh, yeah. yeah, and to be fair, like yeah, we probably all only started watching football after that because we were born. But those that specific moment, everybody remembers, and everybody knows Peter Shilton. Did you know the answer, Wade? Nah, I didn't have Peter Shilton in my head to be honest. I've I've obviously heard his name before, but I was thinking like uh, a Bob Wilson or one of those guys, even Perry Groves as well. I had in my head, so yeah, yeah, I wasn't yeah. thinking Shilton to be honest. So well Wade, done, Rudd. Yeah, you know what? Impressive, Rudd. You would have lost. You would have lost credibility there. But I think the viewers, especially from the uh, the former generation, will be very impressed by you guessing. In actual fact, one of the listeners that sent that across did say, "I think this guy knows his stuff, and he will get it." So the viewers, the listeners, clearly back you for some reason. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate the, <laughs> the fight that having me. So <laughs> now I guess it's over to you to return serve and hopefully Wade. I can end this bloody six-point run of yours that you're on. <laughs> yeah, I think you will today, Connor. I think here's a couple of ones that uh, um, I'll, I'll write up your alley. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Whatever that go. means. I'm so off chops. I won't guess anything anyway. Yeah, look, you know, uh, I suppose I'll give you a bit of a clue. Both these players are currently playing in the Premier League. Um, both these players are actually. No, I'll leave it at that. I think that's that's as best as you're gonna get today. All right, Wade, you good to go? Let's rock and roll, man. All Let's right. do it, baby. Conway T for the win. <laughs> I was born on the third of April, nineteen eighty-eight, in the city of Den Haag, near the North Sea. I began my career at my hometown club, RAS before moving to ADO Den Haag. We couldn't agree on a professional contract uh, or professional... Donny van der Beek? No. 1988 is a little bit early for him. Yeah, we couldn't agree say, on professional yeah. terms <laughs> in 2005. So I left and went to Newcastle United. Bearing in mind, this is still, as, still before I made my senior debut. ADO demanded compensation and they took... Newcastle to the FIFA dispute resolution uh, chamber and they lost that case. However, they took it further and they took the case to the Court of Arbitration for Sport where Newcastle were ordered to pay a fee of 220,000 euros to, to ADL. I made my Newcastle debut in 2009 for West Brom. Sorry, against West Brom. That was a game that ended it as no-no. Following a string of really strong performances, I was given a more permanent role within the team. Prior to, prior to that, I was on loan to Falkirk in Scotland. They tried to make that move permanent, but Newcastle held out and... And deny that move. I've represented my country at every single level since 2002, and I made my senior debut in 2011. My international debut came against Brazil with a game that ended 0 0. In 2012, in an away game against Arsenal, I got into an argument over time wasting with RVP, Robin Van Persie. 
before continuing it into the tunnel where we had to be separated by our teammates. At the end of the 2011-2012 season, I was named the Toon Talks Player of the Year. In 2016, I signed a new contract with Newcastle. I remember Newcastle's team. Before being sent out on loan to Ajax to regain my form after a string of injuries. The Ajax deal was cut short. After six games in the Ajax reserve team, I was then moved to fellow Eredivisie team, AZ Alkmaar. Is this a Premier League player, by the way? It is. At the moment, yeah. Currently playing. In 2017, I signed a season-long loan with Brighton, reuniting myself with my previous manager from Newcastle, Chris Hewton. I made my... Tim Krull? It is Tim Krull. Oh. It is Tim Krull. <laughs> you know, I knew it was a goalkeeper too. <laughs> Get in there. <laughs> the lead extends out. The lead extends My out. Lord. I'm going to just remind that that lead is is getting out of control. Oh, no, I, I had I was thinking Tim Cruel from early because he's like the only Newcastle guy that was coming in my head. But and he's Dutch, yeah. I, he I, know, Dutch. I knew it, I knew it was Dutch. Yeah. And then when the the last couple of clues there, I'm like, he's a goalkeeper. And that's where yeah. it stopped. I yeah. mean, from there, he moved to, to, to Norwich. And if you didn't get that move, um, you know, I think uh, he would have been struggling. Oh, uh, no. my God. So that, that, that extends it to a five-point lead. So oh, Wade is now on score 14. Connell is stuck on nine. He can't get into double digits. But maybe maybe the teammates one is one that he, he can get behind um, today. So... We know we know the rules um, in this situation. The way it works is, I'll call out a number of my teammates, <laughs> and hopefully by the end of it, you guys can guess who I am. Let's go! All right. Here we go. Hakimi, Ashraf Hakimi. Alexander Kolarov, Alexis Sanchez. Did you, sorry, did you say no international teammates? No international teammates, yes. And he's a current player playing at the moment, active player. In the Premier League. Angel Di Maria, Arturo Vidal, Bastian Schweinsteiger, Brad Friedel, Ben Foster, Chris Eagles, Chris Powell, Christian Eriksen, Danny Ings, Danny Welbeck, Darren Bent, Ashley Young. Ashley Young. Wow. It is Ashley Young. <laughs> <laughs> it is Ashley Young. Ah, oh, piss off, man. <laughs> it is Ashley Young. Well, <laughs> do you want to talk us through that one, Wade, and how you got it so quick? Get in. <laughs> well, I, I got the Inter connection straight away with yeah. Sanchez and Ericsson, so I was like, must be a recent Inter player. Wow. Uh, and then you mentioned, um, who else? Name me some of the other guys you mentioned. Darren Bent, Danny Ings. Darren Ings, I thought, um, who did, was it Ings that I thought of? No, it wasn't Ings. Who was the other guys? Darren Bent. And before Darren Bent, we had Chris Powell, Brad Friedel, Bastian Schweinsteiger. Aston Villa. I was thinking of Aston Villa as well. So I was thinking Inter, Villa. Yeah, yeah. Must be Ashley. And then you said Schweinsteiger, right? So I thought yeah, United, United as, well. as well. All right. Yeah. So yeah. the look on Connell's face, <laughs> you know, I know it's a podcast, but if anybody could see the look on Connell's face, it is pure dejection. It's oh, like, man. you know, when, you, when you're in school <laughs> and sometimes for lunch, while you make it something that you really enjoy and you like, and this was just gone and dropped it in the sand. You know what I mean? Now you're looking, you're looking at your rotten beans or whatever she's making for lunch and, it, and it's got sand all over it. That's, that, that's the look on Connell's face. Oh, I'm man. speechless. I've I got, I got no funny. words. I just want to move on and never come back here again. Because, oh my! Oh wait, you are on. I, I can't put my finger run. on it. Honestly, I don't know what's happened. Uh, call me Mikel Arteta. Things have really turned around, man. 
<laughs> I think I'm Ole at the wheel. That's the problem. Yeah, I don't know what draws are anymore. You know, we might even need to switch the, the, the quiz master up. Maybe, to... <laughs> maybe I start asking the questions. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we need to even this thing up. Oh, wow. Wow. Anyway, well done. Well done. You on a run. We we plenty Thanks. of games left in the season. Yeah, no, um, well and go. we will definitely I will definitely Yeah, look, I gotta get my head around this. This is a shambles. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone no to words. a point where you're not even you're not even guessing anymore. <laughs> not even guessing. And I'm not gonna lie to you, there there's nothing. It's it's empty. This I'm telling you, this kid I can't he's eight weeks in. <laughs> You've got what eight answers in a row. He's, there's, you. There's, he's there's, absolutely wrecked you. There's a correlation there. I'm telling you, there's <laughs> there's nothing in the head, nothing in the head. Anyway, oh, we'll my. shift gears. We'll shift gears. Well done, Wade. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. So I get re- we've reached the point of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, where we will just talk about what we're looking forward to, and naturally we have um, the exciting part of midweek Premier League games. Um, of course, we've got the Merseyside derby coming up um, between Liverpool and Everton. And, of course, I guess the other big one between Arsenal and Manchester United. Um, yeah, interesting week ahead, gents. A couple of big games in midweek, a couple of potential banana skins. It'll be interesting to see what Watford and Chelsea produce there. You know, Watford have gone from thrashing teams to getting thrashed. They got thrashed last week. Will they be doing a thrashing on Chelsea? It will remain to be seen. Uh, Leicester have a potential tricky one against Southampton away from home. And of course, um, Manchester City taking on Aston Villa, Steven Gerrard at uh, Villa Park. So, you know, maybe deep down he want to be doing his uh, Liverpool compatriots a favour by taking some points off there. We will wait to be seen. But an interesting week of fixtures. Um, what are we most looking forward to? I guess you two guys, it goes without saying, Manchester United versus Arsenal. You know, I should be going into this game feeling pretty confident. You know, I've just said we're going to finish in the top four over United, but I still don't have that confident feeling against the big teams, I have to admit. Um, I know we won there last year for the first time in who knows how long. Um, we performed really well, so... I think we we need a statement win though over a big team this season. I know we've beaten Spurs, we've beaten Leicester, you know, but the results against the big three have been awful. So I'd love to see us get a result at United. Um, I'll be happy with the draw, to be honest. If we can take a draw away from there, I'll, that'll be a good result for us. So obviously, really looking forward to that one. Um, the Merseyside derby is always good, always uh, action-packed, so... Um, we spoke about Benitez being on the hot seat as well, so that's going to be interesting. And then, yeah, as you mentioned there, Conway, Stevie G's first real test against City um, at Villa Park. So a couple of good games to look forward to, but obviously United-Arsenal is, is right at the top of the list for me. I think um, I'll be surprised if there's many upsets this week, midweek, so I fully expect Liverpool to... To roll over Everton, I fully expect Man City to roll over Aston Villa, and I fully expect that Chelsea will roll over um, Watford. Um, then we come to the United and, and Arsenal game, and you know I think three of us sitting here, honestly, we could not call what the United team will look like. So you got a new manager, you, you know. So it's is he know, actually he, confirmed? I haven't he, seen he has been confirmed of as of yesterday. So, however, okay. um, there may be a visa issue, so he may not be on the bench um, against Arsenal. So, but it, it should still be his team in terms of selection and, and whatever, because he is now the interim manager. But we don't know what to expect, so it's hard to make a prediction on that game because um, we could get anything, and you know he'll, he'll get some time to to make his mark. But it, it's one of those where. You know, I'd love to say I'm confident that United will get a win, but I don't know what what United is going to look like. I don't know how United are going to play, how United can kind of set up. So, so, so let's let's wait and see on that. But it's good to have midweek fixtures. They come thick and fast now. You know, from Premier League games, another game, more games in the weekend, Champions League next week uh, as well. So, it's a good time to be a, a football supporter and supporting your team through to this period. Um, once we get to the January um, period, things settle 
quite a lot and we tend to see then you know how well our predictions have been yep that is certainly the case and i guess we have come to an end of another what the football episode 14 season four it's been a pleasure bringing you another episode we hope you've enjoyed this one i know we certainly have enjoyed talking listening and of course having a bit of a laugh around some of our predictions and what is going to go on i want to thank my co-hosts rods and wade for joining yet another week of what the football podcast you can catch us on apple podbean and all socials across facebook twitter and instagram it's been a pleasure once again. We look forward to bringing you another episode next week. But until then, we bid you adieu and enjoy your midweek Premier League football action. From the guys, we'll see you all next week.